Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Video and Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. We continue to bring you information regarding family law uh, as it particularly relates to, and I guess ancillary to COVID-19 as we've continued to roll out of it in week 15, uh, since really the beginning uh, in most of the states around the country, trying to identify spot issues that affect guys not just uh, in family law, but particularly in COVID-19, and today is really no different. We're gonna talk a little bit about paternity. Um, not necessarily that it has an impact on COVID-19, obviously custody does, but this is one of the areas that we really haven't talked a lot about, and we've really just touched the surface a number of weeks ago during our virtual town hall and paternity issues, and we see it quite a bit here at Cordell & Cordell, and so we thought it would be good. Uh, we're joined uh, once again by Rex in our Indianapolis office. Welcome. Thanks, Scott. Yep, as you said, uh, Rex Padgett here in Indianapolis. I've been with Cordell here for about well, just over three years. My anniversary was just about a week and a half ago, and I've uh, been practicing for about seven years. And absolutely, this is a topic I think, uh, you know, we haven't discussed or heard on the podcast, town halls, et cetera. However, as we've been, uh, you know, cooped up with another party for quite a while during quarantine, et cetera, we may be seeing some of this coming down the road. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think I expect, expect it fully. And, you know, I get questions on paternity a lot. Um, I think it's a really touchy subject because uh, there's some really uh, misunderstanding out there about the law, uh, about the rights of guys. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But obviously, they always give the warning that this shouldn't be taken as legal advice. It's, you know, I'm only licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia. And, and Rex, I know in Indiana. And, and, you know, we have a lot of people from around not only the country, but the world watching, especially since we have our office in the UK. And so we encourage you to seek out a consult with your attorney if you have specific questions about your particular case that, you know, certainly we can't provide you those answers today on during this video. And uh, we just want to guide you and, and create speaking and talking points uh, with your attorney. If you don't have an attorney, you can seek us out. Obviously, we're available anywhere around the country, in particular in Indiana. Um, you can schedule a consult by calling 866-DADS-LAW. Or you can seek us on the web at cordellcordell.com. And as you know, we're always available for a consult, either virtually, telephone, or in person where appropriate. And, and we're allowed, depending upon the state guidelines during this COVID-19. So let's just dive right into it, Rex. But first, and you know, a number of weeks ago, you and I talked, uh, and we wanted to get an update on the court system and what's really changed over the last several weeks in Indiana. You know, we have this up and down nature of COVID-19 around the country. And guys now, you know, want to know, is, is something opening, shutting? What's happening in Indiana with the court system? Yeah, Scott, so we are seeing, you know, several of the courts starting to open up a little bit more. Uh, however, with the same uh, breath, you know, there's been some delays because of the backlog. So in-person hearings uh, are getting scheduled out. I was just on, a, so I had a Zoom hearing last week, and the judge was trying to set that for a, a half a day setting for the contested issue. And she said her calendar right then was November. And so, oh my gosh. You know, yeah, so you're looking at uh, some extended periods of time. That's here in Marion County. Uh, so they are do, trying to adopt or, or adapt to that a little bit. And so they've actually brought in some senior judges, which are retired judges who have agreed to you know take on cases here and there. And so they ask uh, the attorneys and, and the parties if they'd be willing to have somebody else hear the matter because they could probably get us in sooner. And so they were yeah. we were able to accommodate that and got a setting towards the end of July. So, so although, you know, some of the courts are getting backlogged. They are making some um, some accommodations, if you will, to help uh, get us in the court and get you know their their day in court, if you will. Uh, yeah. Others, again, uh, we've talked about this before, but 
the judges are liking the remote hearings. And so um, several have pushed out orders and issues saying, you know what, if the matters can be heard you know, remotely, we're going to continue that. Uh, especially as we see different stuff throughout. Now, Indiana hasn't uh, seen spikes. We're kind of trending downward, which is a positive thing. But as you know and, and see on the news, Florida, Texas, Arizona, California have seemed to hit some spikes and, and actually increase. Uh, and maybe you know, they're not taking precautions uh, or they're just you know seeing more cases, unfortunately. Maybe more testing as well. So that's a positive yeah. thing. Uh, but... Indiana's definitely taken some precautions, trying to ease into things. And I think it, you know, it, uh, it just calls for maybe some creative thinking and strategy, as you suggest, trying to find ways to get things moved up. And, you know, rather than November and uh, you know, here in Missouri, we're ta probably talking next year in 2021. Uh, we're still in a really slow phased opening. We're only in really phase one um, in some of our local courts. So it really encourages guys to go online, you know, I think you and I talked about this, locate things on the web, find out status of the court system, meet with an attorney, try to think of creative ways to move your case along. And I think that's really the answer. So yes. there, there's more than one way to skin the cat. If you will. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the end is not just, oh, courts are closed so that we do nothing. I mean, I think that the answer, you and I have talked about this, let's, you know, meet with an attorney and figure out a way to get things going. Exactly. So paternity, you know, it's a, it's a big, you know, it's a big legal word you know, father-child relationship, unmarried parents perhaps, or married parents, we'll talk a little bit about that, that don't know whether or not their child is theirs, but maybe identify, you know, one thing, and that is typically we think of unmarried parents who have a child. And so the question for guys really is, how do they establish that relationship legally? Meaning that many guys come in and say, well, my name's on the birth certificate. Isn't that enough? You know, is it enough, Rex, just to be on the birth certificate? Yeah, Indiana says no, that is not enough to be on the birth certificate. So um, like you just discussed, there's two different scenarios, married parties, somebody maybe who's married and actually got divorced within a certain period of time, or the parties that have just never been married. And so those you know, unwed uh, parties is probably the biggest issue and the most people that we see, you know, because again, you know, they don't know and they don't know what the other partner may have been doing, et cetera. They presume, you know, they've been in a, a happy relationship for most of the time, that this is probably their child, et cetera, and they move forward with, with that understanding. But to really establish it, one, uh, 72 hours within having a child at the hospital, there's a, there's a form. It's a paternity affidavit. They would sign it and make sure they're reading it uh, very clearly and closely mm -hmm. because there's certain blocks that can be checked on there. It establishes a financial responsibility, a legal responsibility, but it doesn't really give you any parameters as far as what happens when we don't get along and she moves out or I move out. You know, how can I come get the child? Can I not come get the child? And those are where the issues really come into play. But that's one way of establishing the paternity by saying, yes, I am the father. You've agreed at that point, you know, just on some blind faith, if you will, or, you know, hopefully... Uh, some good faith that uh, she's been faithful throughout this process. Yeah. The other is by a court order. And a court order can come by the two parties appearing in court, or it could be a default. And uh, that's the, the cases we don't want to see necessarily uh, from anybody's perspective as a default, because that means they had a hearing and you weren't either informed or you weren't there for some reason. And those, uh, we can talk about those a little more in depth, I think, as we get into the the conversation, Scott, but, but certainly those are really the two ways of establishing. Yeah. And, 
And I think though, you know, we think about it, many guys come to me and, and I try to talk to them about, uh, they don't really have any legal rights. And, and, and I guess it may depend state by state, but until that legal document or from a court perspective is entered, um, I always suggest, hey, mom could pick up with your child potentially and just move around the country or deny you custody. And the sheriff for you know, local uh, law is not going to do a thing about it until you actually establish as a matter of law that you're the dad. Is, is that kind of what you're seeing in Indiana? Absolutely. Again, although you have you know, signed that document saying, I accept these responsibilities for this child, uh, again, there's no enforcement at that point because who's going to enforce it, like you said? Police or other enfor uh, enforcement agencies are going to look at it and say, well, this is a civil matter. You have a recourse, and that's going to court uh, for that recourse. So yeah. absolutely, even if the parties are getting along, they can still set that up and establish that paternity in court. And again, hey, we live together, so we don't think there's any child support that's needed or anything like that. But at least you have something on the record that shows that they can do that uh, and, and have some legal rights at that point. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. You know, there's pros and cons with moving forward on a paternity case because obviously, like you say, maybe you're not paying a lot of child support. Maybe, maybe it's a very small amount, uh, but there's some peace of mind over the course. What I see is this relationship is very different than obviously married parties and they may not be as committed to each other. And then, but yeah, they have a child now that they have an obligation to. And so the downside is now you may be establishing a much higher court ordered child support than you otherwise are paying makes you a little uncomfortable. There's always a risk associated yep. with it. <laughs> but, but you get guaranteed child or a visitation, you know, something in writing that is purely enforceable. And I'm, you know, and in some states like Missouri, where mom really has a, a restriction of relocation without consent or court order, that helps. Uh, you start establishing rules regarding um, choices of school, major health, medical decisions where you, the mom has to consult with guys rather than just saying, hey, I'm doing this. I don't care what you think kind of attitude. You know, we see that a lot. Yeah, the same, the same applies here, Scott. Again, all those things you just kind of talked about, you know, it, it does. It paves the way, you know, forward for them. Uh, Indiana has similar relocation statutes that are, are required. So if they're moving, they do have to give notice. Uh, it's actually just changed within the last year a little bit. So it's less notice that they have to give. However, they still do have to give it. And so, you know, if they don't have those protections in, there's nothing that prohibits, you know, one of the parties really, and, and usually it's, you know, the the mother in this case uh, to mm -hmm. to move to a different state, and then you got a battle over jurisdiction, who yeah. where the child may uh, have those roots in a home state, uh, as as you and I know those terms, et cetera. But you know, establishing that can become harder and more costly. Right, totally. So I guess here's the thing, you know, we talk a lot about establishing it. Um, and, and many guys come to us and say, yeah, this is my child. I need to help. I need to get some orders. But then there's the question of uh, many guys think, well, I don't know if this is my child. Um, I'm not certain. Uh, and they don't know how to go about 
disproving paternity. Maybe you can walk guys through watching and listening right now, how they can sort of disprove paternity. What are the different scenarios that you can think of, of, you know, what they, and what they should be thinking about doing and their rights and, and things that they can do to kind of move forward to really kind of figure out what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Scott, we kind of talked about this, you know, from two different aspects. One's the married parties, and then the other is the non-married parties. And so from a married party, uh, it could come up, you know, later on or even during the divorce or really any time that says, hey, I've got some questions as to whether this is your child. And so there's some risk associated with that as well as some, you know, cautionary terms because if you say, well, you know, maybe this isn't my child – Maybe we should have a DNA test. Well, if you've already established a bond and you know parental rights as well as you know the, the habits, if you will, of being a parent, you know that could really have a, a large impact on that, and you could lose you know any type of rights with the child. And so certainly, age may have some aspect and play into what decision the father decides to take at that point. Uh, you know, because again, if you go move forward and you're able to disprove it, uh, then certainly. You know, what kind of relationship and issues have you just created? And so maybe that's not a something that you want to do as they're older. Uh, again, you know, as older children uh, get a mind of their own and, and understand things, and maybe even one party, uh, one parent talks to the other and says, ah, he may not be this, or, or this person may not be your dad. Well, again, the curiosity is going to get them, and they may start doing their own research. But, uh, you know, having that relationship ended because you took this stance, uh, you know, could have a, a very detrimental piece of it. Right. Now, Indiana has some, you know, aspects where you can petition the court for like a step-parent uh, parenting time, especially if the father's not known, you know, because you've been a de facto custodian for this child, and that's the, the terminology that the courts would use as a de facto custodian. So you've helped care and raise for this child, et cetera. But ultimately, the difference would end up going to, you know, the, the biological parents if, you know, the, the other father is known. So, so there is some caution, you know, that we, you know, exercise in, do you really want to pursue this because of this type of relationship issues? But certainly, you know, it could be done and looked at from that. However, you know, courts, especially if it's post-dissolution and you get this information, it may be a little harder to go back and say, well, wait a minute. You know, yes, the child was born, born during our marriage, but now I don't believe it's mine. You know, should I have had to pay all this money in the past? And so they would look at it, you know, is this, you know, untimely filing, basically, and in regards to, you know, coming back now and say, well, wait, I don't think this child's mine. Uh, so, so there's certainly some aspects to look at uh, in regards to when you want to do it, and especially during marriage or dissolution. But if you have some uncertainties, that would be the time, either during the divorce during the marriage, you know, they can go out and get a test on their own for one, you know, just to help ease their minds. If they are married and going through that divorce, you catch it during that because it's a lot easier to overcome and then waiting a few years down the road and finally you find out, no, this isn't mine. I've been supporting them for several years now um, because, again, the, the court could say, you know what, you've been doing it. You know, you were married. We presume that the child was yours, so we're going to keep you on the hook there for that. Uh, the difference comes again with the unmarried parties. Uh, again, you know, the worst case scenario is they go to court and it's a default. You know, you, dad doesn't show up because he never got notice or just, you know, didn't think it was his anyway. And he's like, ah, they're not going to do anything. And there is an order out there that says now you're financially responsible for this child and legally responsible. So you may not get to make those 
decisions like you were talking about as far as what school they go to and things like that because in a default and I'm going to presume that they will make a sole legal custody award to the party who did show up but they're still going to put you on the hook for, uh, for the financial piece and with mm -hmm. that can come tax intercepts stimulus check intercepts uh, all kinds of different uh, liens on vehicles on real property for rearages and things like that and so in that regard, you usually have about two years, uh, and that's the deadline, if you will, a two-year statute to go back and say, wait a minute, this isn't my child. And then the court will do a paternity test uh, to determine whether you are or not. So although you may have went out with mom and got a paternity test and determined on your own that, that the child isn't yours, that may or may not be accepted by the court. So, you know, you can try to present it. Usually if both parties are on the same page, that makes it a little easier in regards to those things. Yeah. I mean, it's always the danger, and you know, when I counsel guys that come in, whether they're married and then they have questions, or they're not married and they have questions, it's, you know, if you if they bypass the testing, it's it's a forever decision. You know, you can't unring the bell. You know, there's a lot of cases about, uh, you know, unless out, outright fraud, and it's still even then, it's so difficult to 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 prove and. So it's a very big decision, you know, and it's something we always talked about the DNA test and hey, you know, make sure it's a delicate. You've been raising this child for, for a lot of time in a long time and emotionally, psychologically, it's just a complicated conversation to have, not only with your attorney, but then with perhaps mom or the child. You know, why am I getting tested? So but I do think it's important to have those conversations, know your rights. You know, paternity is is more complicated in, in some respects because it touches all aspects and um, and as you suggest, there's all these different, perhaps, uh, scenarios to disprove it. But it is a kind of a forever decision. Once you're on the hook, you're on the hook. You know. Yeah. Again, and I think there was one case that I actually did look at uh, previously. That you know they went through a divorce. Uh, you know, again, they presumed that the children were theirs. But then a medical procedure actually came up to where, uh, you know, the, when the results came back, they were trying to find a match uh, in, in regards to some blood and bone marrow transplants, et cetera. And they found out that the child wasn't, you know, dad's. And so at that point, you know, the child was like, and dad was kind of concerned uh, about that. But yet he'd established a relationship with the child. So he still wanted a, a relationship with that child. And so he had to go back and, and ask for step-parent rights, basically, in, in regards to it. So he was successful in doing that. Uh, but it was a surprise. So, you know, it's not, hey, I don't want to pay child support anymore. So I don't think this is my child. Can we go back and get a DNA test done now? You know, nothing like that. The courts here uh, most likely just going to dismiss that on the face versus, you know, if you find out through, like you said, a, a surprise or an unknown circumstance that comes about that proves, hey, this might not be your child, then you may have a better chance after an order's already been put in place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot, all these, you know, as you point out, kind of statute of limitations, deadlines, things to really pay attention to, whether you're served. We've always talked about that, as you suggest. If you get a pleading, answer it, get get an attorney, find out your rights. There's deadlines, you know, in order to contest it, uh, even under fraud circumstances, perhaps. So, again, it's just, if there's any questions, and you're going to be one of the guys out there with a paternity issue, uh, just, it's the best one-hour consultation you're going to have, just to know your rights and be able to enforce your rights if necessary. So, yeah, and there's one other aspect uh, that I you know, want to touch on. So Indiana actually has a putative uh, mm -hmm. father registry. Mm 
So again, yeah. within the first two years of the child being born, they can go and register, and that prohibits mom from doing certain things, you know, in regards to the child. So if they were ever to file for an adoption or something, although it's legally not been established, if they can go into the system because they have to, by law, the adoption agencies or whoever's trying to adopt the child has to do that search, and they can see that, hey, I think I'm the dad of this child, then they have a duty to to uh, contact that person. So there's another aspect. If you're uncertain, you think it may be, and obviously maybe mom's left, you know, for some reason, uh, and that way it would help protect some of your interests while moving forward. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's great information. I know it's so complicated. We could probably talk for an hour uh, on this topic. So thanks for at least giving guys you know, a, a small ounce uh, of kind of the important information that they need to kind of go get an attorney and have that consultation. So I appreciate your time today. No, I appreciate it, Scott. And again, uh, you know, I think as we move forward based on the, the quarantine and other things, you know, people are going to find themselves in the situation more and the, to know that somebody here is to advocate for them and point them in the right direction and help them get the, yeah. the, uh, the legal aspect of it taken care of is very important. Absolutely. Well, continue to tune in to our virtual town hall as we continue to bring topics like this. We'll be joined uh, this week in our town hall talking about uh, changes and modifications and uh, things that happen both with you, uh, your spouse, or maybe perhaps mom. Uh, they're going to be important information and we'll even touch a little bit on paternity as it relates to that and taking action during COVID-19. So continue to stay with us. And if you have questions, you certainly again can reach out to us and you can have a consultation as we suggested today at 866-DADS-LAW or on the web at cordellcordell.com. Until next time, have a great week.